Welcome to Propel, a podcast by Fellowship Pacific to propel you and your ministry forward in the mission God has for you. I'm your host, Jessica Powell, and in today's episode, you will get to hear some awesome stories about how God is at work through church planting, even with all the challenges that have come through the pandemic. You're going to hear from three church planters, David Adkins with Village Church Abbotsford, Colby Milton with Live Free Church in Kelowna, and Harrison Kwok from Northern Collective Church in Whitehorse. They share with Todd Chapman from our Church Life Cycles team about some of the challenges of church planting right now and how God has been faithful through all of it. This episode is sure to both encourage you and challenge you, so let's get to it. Here's Todd's conversation with David Adkins, Colby Milton, and Harrison Kwok. Uh, Welcome to the Propel podcast. My name is Todd Chapman, and I'm part of the Life Cycles team at the Fellowship Pacific. Our team helps churches and pastors with church health in the life cycle of the church. And today we have the tremendous opportunity of talking church planting, and particularly with the topic of uh, planting during a pandemic or our pandemic that we're in. And uh, I have the privilege of, of being joined by three fantastic gentlemen, everyday guys who are following God's call to plant churches. And so I really appreciate your time, uh, David, Colby, and Harrison, and for your willing to be a part of this uh, conversation on pandemic planting. And, and you're uh, all coming from a variety of experiences. You're actually all in the middle of planting at, at different uh, places, locations, uh, probably even cultures and just a variety of things. And so we'll jump right into it and we'll get a little bit of flavor, uh, just a little bit of your bio, just kind of tell us a little bit of where you're at and then maybe even location of where you're planting and and we'll go from there, it's a pretty open conversation. And maybe I'll jump in with you, David, first, Uh, just give us a little bit of flavor uh, of where you're at as as we share with our listeners, uh, the possibilities, the challenges of planting, the possibilities of planting, the call of planting, on people's lives, some of that kind of stuff. And we just want to hear a little bit of your story as we get going. So David, the floor is yours. A little bit of your bio. Okay. That, that sounds scary, Todd. The floor <laughs> is mine. Um, I think for a lot of us, it's been a kind of different time. Um, we've not faced a thing like this in our generation. I'm, I'm, I'm originally from the UK. You can hear that. I'm from London. I'm a Londoner. Sorry about that. You might need a translator uh, as I talk. Um, but the reality is, it's like whatever nation you're in, this is a, a worldwide issue uh, that's affected us. And, uh, you know, it's serious. So I think for a lot of us, we've had to readjust, we've had to think, you know, I mean, we're planting in Abbotsford and Mission and Chilliwack. It's about 300,000 people uh, that we affect at our end of this end of the valley at Vancouver. And, um, you know, just looking at that, it's like, how do we reach those cities still? And so there's a lot more prayer innovation, um, being being uh, kind of secure in your calling, not not wavering. Um, you know, we met for eight weeks, and since March we've been underground. So we're getting a taste of what it's like to be in China. You know, and the, the gospel is booming there. I was talking to a guy the other day who's connected with church leaders out there, and it's like this is our turn now. This is Canada. You know, this this is us praying into a kind of dire situation, and God is moving. You know, we've grown. Our community groups have grown, um, our reach has grown. We're a part of a trans-Canadian network of churches, which is Village. And uh, it has been hard initially. I can't, if I'm really, really honest, but now there's a kind of new rhythm um, that's developing. So for us, it's, it's, not, it's no longer that downer. It's like, how God are you going to move through this 
and, and reach reach the city. So we've started to do different things, but that could be another question. Yeah, no, this is good. Hey, hey David, just tell us a little bit about your family. Uh, you, uh, you're, you're you're probably of our crew here. You're the more seasoned uh, planter uh, <laughs> that we have. And so, you, I mean, you haven't, you're not just doing it here in Canada. You've actually done a little bit in the UK, I believe. And so just, just give us a little, little flavor of your family. Um, well, we, we were a part of a family of churches in the UK uh, that started with three churches 40 years ago and is now over 2,000. Um, so it's been amazing to be a part of that experience. And what has really drawn our hearts to Village is Mark has a passion in the same way to do similar stuff. And we're already starting to see that growth. I have three children. Um, Christina's a graphic designer, mum with two kids. Uh, James, um, who works in film, he's a compositor. So he works on films like Aquaman, you know, down in Vancouver, that, that kind of stuff. And Toby's our scientist. But all of them have got dragged into what we're doing. And the great thing is they've all got a passion for Jesus. You know, they've grown up with ministry with us. We've involved with church plants in London. One of the churches we're involved with there is now five churches. So it's been great to kind of see that happen over the years. But this is a, a kind of long term thing. And I think for us doing what we're doing now, it's like we're stepping into God's plan. It's what he wants to do. Uh, it's not just we're facing an issue. We're facing an issue with him. And he's not caught out. Do you know what I mean? Again and again and again, he's proved himself through kind of dire stuff. So I don't have enough to give a little bit of a flavor, you know. Appreciate that, David. Thanks for, for the background, the, the information, and, and uh, your experience as we go and, and chat more about this uh, today. Uh, Colby, let's jump in with you next and give us a little flavor where you're at, a little bit of family stuff, and uh, tell us where you're planting, those kinds of things. Yeah, so we're in Kelowna, um, beautiful spot. I think one of the best cities in British Columbia. Um, let me be super honest. Um, my wife's a nurse. Uh, RN, she works at Kelowna General Hospital, um, three kids, um, Beckett, my son is 10, Estelle is eight, Evie six. So we're in this kind of great phase of our kids are growing and, and uh, loving being in Kelowna and skiing and in the winter and uh, swimming in the lake in the summer. So it's been really great um, for us. But for, for me, coming back to Kelowna, I was born and raised here. Um, and a part of my story is I never heard the gospel here. Um, I never went to church as a kid. Um, never ever like um, had Christian friends. Uh, so it took actually a circumstance of my mom one day coming home from, from work and saying, we're moving to a place called Quinell, um, which is about six and a half hours north of here. Um, and I was like, I'm not going up there. Um, I went kicking and screaming essentially. Uh, but that was the first place I ever heard the gospel. And I'm grateful that that was a spot where, where I could actually hear um, and accept Christ in my life, which took years actually of people like praying for me. Um, so I think it just, it took years for me to like accept Christ, but it was the, the first time where um, I heard him and heard um, the gospel and, and was changed by that. So for me, I want to come back and I think about Kelowna. I think about my, my dad's business when I was a kid um, in Kelowna, he had a Milton towing business. Um, I think about um, our summers at the beach uh, and I, so I, I see a lot of myself here when I'm actually trying to reach people who are unreached. Um, I think a lot of churches, when I, we show up in Kelowna, said, well, why, why plant Kelowna? There's a lot of churches here. I imagine like a lot of these other guys get in their own towns. Um, you know, I think a lot of churches are really worried about their little piece of the pie um, when it comes to Christians. And for us, you know, when I'm, you know, downtown meeting someone, um, you know, 
my massage therapist or whoever, these are people who are who unchurched uh, or de-churched people who have no connection to the church. And that's what I resonate with, those kind of people where I'm like, we would love to see um, these people hear about Christ in a, in a tangible way where at least they can like wrestle with it, um, either accept it or deny it. <laughs> I still want them to actually articulate whether they believe this or not. So I think for us, um, that's my passion about this city. I love Kelowna. There's so much potential here. I'd love to plant multiple churches here. Um, I, you know, I, I just think it's hard for me not to see myself um, in the city um, as like a, as an eight-year-old or as a 12-year-old who was like a lost, broken kid, um, um, just wandering in life. I think that's for, for me and for my passion for Kelowna is seeing people, prodigals come home, is seeing lost people um, hear the gospel for the first time and say, okay, that's interesting, or that makes sense to me, or I hate that, that's offensive to me. Um, I don't care what that is, as long as um, people can actually wrestle with it to a certain degree. That's fantastic. And, and I like that you're, you're, you're going after anybody, including your massage therapist, eh? Hmm. That's a, right there. There's a good reason to, to be part of a church plant or plant. Well, uh, Harris, oh, sorry, go ahead. The funniest thing for me is that, you know, um, church planting, like, you know, I always call like when I'm out in public, I call it like a, like a church upstart because I don't think people understand what a church plant is um, in Canada specifically. So I think for a lot of people like, oh, you're starting up a church. I've never heard of that before. I've never experienced someone who's done that before. And so, you know, that's been for us a very kind of evangelistic tool where um, our Instagram account, Facebook page, all those kind of things have been great tools to see people be aware of what we're doing before they're ever part of our church yet. And that's fantastic. And actually, in a moment, I'll ask you guys just about some of the challenges you face in those kinds of things. And uh, let's let's jump on uh, our church planter number three here, Harrison, uh, and then give us a bit of a flavor. It's it's you're in the Yukon, uh, wonderful city of Whitehorse, and I'll get you to share a little bit about your your history, your background, and kind of where you are with the planting and some of that, and your vision and that idea. Sure. Um, my parents immigrated to the Yukon about 40 years ago from Hong Kong. So my sister and I were born in the capital city, Whitehorse, where uh, we've planted a church. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, I was essentially Buddhist with some Chinese superstitious spirituality. Um, didn't know anything about religion growing up. I went to the University of Victoria um, for about five years. And then um, I played varsity soccer there for four years. Wasn't a Christian, actually became a... Uh, I was an atheist. I was quite a staunch atheist. And me and my friend uh, on the soccer team were known as the atheists on the soccer team. Um, and then my friend came to know Jesus in my, I believe, second year of university. And he started sharing the gospel with me for the first time. He invited me to church. I went to things like Alpha and I went to Bible studies and I was kind of doing some investigating. Um, and I spent a lot of time actually looking up things on YouTube, listen to podcasts, reading the Bible. And one day, um, the gospel of Christ compelled me and I gave my life to him in 2009. Uh, a few months after that, I met my wife, uh, Caitlin, um, through this kind of campus Bible ministry. And we met at Tim Hortons. And shortly after that, um, moved to Whitehorse, my hometown, uh, got married and got connected with the local church there. I started doing studies at, uh, at the Whitehorse Correctional Center, so in the prison here. And uh, Yukon, it's, it's an interesting place. Like, 
very beautiful. Um, people travel from all over the world to see the Northern Lights, to see the pristine lakes and the mountains and, and just the sheer beauty. Population is very small, about 43,000. Uh, there's more caribou here than there are people, uh, but very secular. Uh, considered one of the most secular places in all of Canada. Uh, the North is relatively untouched by thriving church planting. Um, the last church plant that was planted in Whitehorse was uh, 25 years ago. Northwest Territories, Nunavut, they're in a similar boat where there's just not a whole lot of gospel-centered, Bible-preaching churches happening in the North. And there's just a lot of desperate, dying, hurting people here. Alcoholism is high. Suicide is high. DUIs are high. Incarceration is high. And so it's our hope at the Northern Collective, uh, the name of the church plant, to see thriving gospel-centered churches in all Yukon communities. There's about 20 communities here and over half of them don't have a single church. Um, we work with a lot of Canada's Indigenous people. 25% of the Yukon is First Nations or Indigenous. And 75% um, of that quarter live in Whitehorse. So one of the biggest struggles we have is kind of the recent and the complex history of residential schools and the ideas of colonialism and all these things. There's a lot of pushback and hostility towards the church, a lot of pain. Um, so we're trying to navigate this secular place, very liberal place, yet um, this somewhat uh, hostile place in terms of ideology. So I got a wife. They got three little girls, uh, five, three, and one. And uh, yeah, we're here in the Great White North in Whitehorse, Yukon. This is fantastic. Thank you, Harrison. And just, just to have the, the variety of what we have here. And uh, as it comes along, some of these things are mentioned. But David, uh, I think you guys have been just over a year, right? Uh, as far as actual planting, I think it was, a, was it a year ago? David, is that? Yeah, it was a year ago. You're right. So something like that. I know we had met around that time. And, and Harrison, you guys are about three years in to where you're at or just over that. And, and then Colby, you're not even a year in. You guys were kicking off officially uh, back at Easter, kind of when COVID hit. So, so we got a lot of stuff going on at just at different times and figured out how a pandemic hits. Maybe one more question I'll ask you guys, just as we jump in before we ask uh, uh, some other specifics is, is, is why? why? Why planting for you? Um, and, and you've shared a little bit, and so you don't have to, to say some of the things you've already said, but maybe there's other pieces. And, and David, I, I, we'll just go back and forth with, with each of you guys. But David, maybe I'll get you to start. Like, like, why planting? Some of you guys have talked about looking at the reality of, of what's around you and how it has impacted you. But, but why planting? It's, uh, it's the heart of God. You know, it's just that, that's his nature. And I think the closer we get to him, the more we, we bear that. Um, not, I wouldn't call it a burden, that passion, do you know what I mean? And I think the Holy Spirit is, is raising up. You know, it's great to hear about the North you know, and the need there. Uh, and we've got a real need here. We've got a big Sikh community, you know, in Abbotsford that's growing and growing. It's like, we need to, the world is coming to us. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and, and God's vision is all the nations. And so it's like, you know, he wants a church that's hungry uh, for the gospel. And, and his, his heart, his passion, his delight is, is, to, is to break in, break through and reveal himself to people. You know, we were in the pub last night with a couple doing Alpha. And it's like, we're under the rule of six, so we're following the rules. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they don't have a church background. They got zero. You know, and it's like, 
and God, God wants us to touch lives. So it's like, I, I think it's, it's irresistible. You can't get away from it. It's a command. You know, it, there's a need. And, uh, and you want, and I think there's a call. If you, if you know there's a call, even if it's just a small inkling. When we were young, um, we were in a meeting and, and there was a call to the front for church planters. And like, hundreds of young people went forward. And it's like, since then, Christy and I, uh, you know, whether it's by vocation or full-time, whatever, we've been involved in one way or another like for years now. And it's just like, it's, it's a God thing. It's his deserved. It certainly is that. Uh, Colby Harrison, you guys want to add anything more to, to why? Why did you jump into planting? Yeah, I would say that um, we plant and we do what we do as believers to put God's glory on display. I think there are great needs around the world. I think the primary need is for people to worship this awesome, incredible, amazing God that we would give him glory. I think with the Great Commission, it's not it's not an option. We we are to put God's glory on display. He is he is the most God-centered person being out there. And we are to put that triune God on display for the world. And I, I believe John Piper wrote it in uh, Let the Nations Be Glad. He was saying, missions exist where worship doesn't. So whether it's your neighbor, um, your chiropractor, or, or coworker, or your family members, people do not worship God. And God deserves all the glory. And everything he's done is for his own glory. So I am blessed to be part of that story that he's writing inviting people into this love that he's shared that he's made a way for sinners and fallen people to know the glory the love and goodness of god and so the need is great but god's glory is greater and that's the motivation at least for me to plant churches that plant churches to make disciples that make disciples that they would know and cherish and treasure the glory of god above all things it's awesome. How about you, Colby? Yeah, I think for me, um, I think what Dave, Dave was saying, I think I agree with that. It starts the burden and then it moves to passion. And that's, I think when you're burdened by something, by people who, you know, whether they're in, you know, the Sikh community in your, in your community or um, people who are unchurched, I think you've seen people for where they're at um, and understanding that sometimes the construct of a church will not reach them the way they're at. You know, even Kelowna, you know, like I would love to see the village plant Kelowna. Like what a great spot that we have so many people who need to come to know Christ. There's, you know, I think there's a hundred thousand people here who don't know Jesus. And there is a need desperately um, to plant churches because I think a lot of times, you know, there's about 85 churches in Kelowna, you know, there's not enough churches here to reach all those people. <laughs> so what do we think we're doing? So I think for me, you know, when you look at your community, whether it's Surrey, which we've lived in Surrey before, Salmon Arm or, um, Quinnell, like there isn't enough churches in those communities. And so you look at the Great Commission, the biblical mandate, we, we do need to make disciples and send them out to plant churches and to reach people who are unreached, bottom line. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I appreciate that, guys. So in, in this desire to reach, to, to bring God into reality, we know he's there, but to help him to reveal it through us in our reality around us through the church, what are some of the challenges you face? What's a challenge or two that may that that are that maybe you you're facing now? I mean, obviously we can talk COVID a little bit, which we have, um, but also not just what what are some of the challenges you face, but how have you seen God at work to overcome? So so we need the encouragement and the hope that God is at work. Um, if you a few guys jump on in, uh, I, I'm not going to always direct you and, and come on in. I, I, yeah, what where's a challenge or two that you face? 
it feels a bit like, you know, Han Solo's on the Millennium Falcon and he's in the battle and it's like, hold together, baby. That's my paraphrase. It's, it's been a bit like that. So when we started, you know, a lot of folks came out to, to check us out. We had about 450 people came out to check us out, but we knew they weren't staying. They were just coming to check us out. So we've got about 205 people that are forming the church. And for us, that, that's our Millennium Falcon. Um, obviously, the parochial bit is the city, the mall, you know, all the guys that we've been talking about this morning. Um, but it's like, how do we keep that 205 core group plus bring skeptics in? through this COVID period. And I think that's been the big challenge. Um, and I think that they connect, the, our church is relational. Well, that's one comment that people have made. It's a family, do you know what I mean? We want that, we want people to come in, even though we meet in the cinema, um, which is hard in some aspects. In another way, for a lot of skeptics, it's great because that's the place they go to, like a pub, you know, it's not alien to them. It's not a church building. So for us, that was a, an easy piece to get to, for people to come out. But the second thing is that how do you the iceberg underneath that is the is is that gospel community you know is the body is the church and so for us it's like um watch parties we've been doing uh, community groups uh we've grown from the initial three up to about 11 now if we include the women's work and we've been doing a lot of drive-through things drive-through advent you know drive-through carnival um we've been doing some practical projects where people aren't touching each other they're distanced like a homeless um, teenage center, painting it, doing some landscaping, building benches and stuff. Um, baptisms in a, a gravel pit, <laughs> a wakeboarding gravel pit. Um, we have, we've baptized five people, um, but about hundred came out in their family groups. So we couldn't lay hands on anyone. We couldn't do that stuff. We had to make them all segregated, have our tent there with our COVID stuff. And then they prayed for their folks and it worked really well because that was their families. Um, and then we went into a partnership with a local shopping mall, Mice Number Two John, he's brilliant at outreach and he's got a relationship with the shopping mall. They get over 400,000 people out a year. And so we partnered with them to do a food bank um, thing. And they, one of the shops offered a free bag and at seven o'clock in the morning, people were queuing up for their free bag and giving us the food, but it gave our volunteers, our church the opportunity to see each other and connect with the shopping mall um, staff, you know? So it's been things like that. It's kind of thinking outside the box, um, a lot of online stuff as well as. So it's been a challenge, but you just, you have to, you have to see, well, you to see how God wants to innovate as well. That's great. How about you, Harrison? Yeah, I mean, I, was, I think of the Yukon and just, I when, when I think of the place where I live, I think of Yukon as a whole, like it's so small and there's all these kind of communities that surround Whitehorse. So if Whitehorse is kind of like here, you got these kind of 19 surrounding communities like a bike spoke. Everybody's got to come into Whitehorse though for uh, for groceries, for medical, uh, for sports. Like there's a lot of commuting. Um, but the challenge, and I don't know what the answer is, is how do we plant churches in these super small towns, these small villages and um, we've been building strong relationships with um, people in this community called Pelly Crossing. They're three and a half hours north of us. There's about 300 people there. There's no church. Um, there's a few believers there who, who would love to have a church, some sort of study, something. Um, but with travel restrictions, you, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to form relationships. Um, we do have a woman in our church um, doing a weekly Bible study over the phone with a family in Pelly Crossing. We're trying to keep in touch with them. 
Um, but how do we see thriving churches in these super small towns where historically they've never had a church? Um, and the mentality is like, you got people coming in, whether you're a teacher, RCMP officer, social worker, whatever it is, like you're just coming in, you do your two years and you get out. Um, but we want to be in this for the long haul and, and, and let people know that. Um, I'd love to continue to pray with my leadership in our church and how to reach the Yukon with the gospel. But uh, yeah, the pandemic doesn't make it any easier, but it doesn't make it impossible. Yeah, I think for me, it's been, you know, the biggest challenge is just like managing people's expectations um, and how in a, I think in a COVID period where we're like planning A, B, C, or D or E plans, we're jumping from A to D to C to back. You know what I mean? Like we're jumping back and forth. And so it's like, how do you, or how does a leader, how do I um, inspire people in the midst of them? Like realizing that this is a period where kind of, it sucks. Um, COVID is really hard. And they're feeling lonely also, but they have no connection. We're supposed to be staying at home, all these things. So I think for us, you know, you know, we were almost um, in the spot where we're going to launch an actual physical service. We've never launched a physical service yet. Uh, we're all digital. Um, and we're going to launch in November. And then, you know, we're in the midst of a second wave. And, and, and then there, expectations are people who are like, we'll never be like a legit church until we plant a physical service. And there's other people who are like, this is more than a, any church I've been at because it's all community groups. So I think there's expectations there, but the, the beauty behind that is that we've seen people be connected in community groups authentically. Um, people have looked for relationships their whole lives um, in a city where they feel so alone and, and isolated. Um, and it's all centered around the gospel. So again, it's just like getting people centered around Christ and his work, um, his life, his death, his resurrection. And, and that for me has been really encouraging to see like we're in a spot where we have three, but we're trying to launch actually up to five community groups by next year um, in the midst of a pandemic where um, all the things I, when I think about, I think we should actually not be growing, but actually we've been seeing people um, be attracted to a church that some people have no idea that we've never had a physical service because no church is really have, has physical services right now. So it's actually kind of a great equalizer for us, but it's been challenging. Um, but I meet people for coffee and they have expectations of what we should be like in Kelowna, especially in a pandemic. And whether that's they've, they've read some crazy conspiracy theory on, on Twitter or whatever. And they're like, you know, oh, like we should wear no masks or we should wear masks or so all these pieces for us is like, how do we inspire people, give them a clear vision and mission for reaching their friends who aren't churched, um, but also their expectations of, of the season of church is going to look different. And that's really challenging, but also grieve with people saying it's not going to look the same as you expected it to look like this fall, this Christmas. I appreciate that, guys, and all sorts of different challenges in different ways. And, and these challenges seem to be there whether we're in a pandemic or not. It just brings other dynamics to it in pieces, right? And so what I'm hearing is part of the way God uh, speaks and, and, and encourages and, um, and you've seen him work is, is he gives you a clear vision, mission, and values, even more so during this time. You stick to it. And, and he also gives you creativity from what I'm hearing. And so you guys have all mentioned different ways, different things you're looking at, uh, people in your in your churches that God has brought to you to be able to help you in different things. And that's fantastic. Let, let's bring it a little to the heart here. And, and let's talk personal as, as best as we can go on this level. But what, what's a personal challenge that you face as a planter? 
Like what's something that only you wrestle with in your head? And while we have a filter, it doesn't come out our mouth yet until we get older and then, and then we lose our filter and it comes out. But what's something that you, you wrestle with personally, a challenge that you have? And then help us to, to, to discover how you're overcoming or how you've overcome that challenge. I'm realizing that when, I, when we planted this church um, in Kelowna, started up, um, I thought God was forming a church, but he's actually forming a person. And I think I wasn't expecting that, um, especially in March when we were getting ready to launch um, a physical service in April, Easter, Sunday. Um, and I remember, you know, we had a technical service. We were kind of getting everything ready. All our volunteers lined up, kids ministry dialed in. And then, you know, Bonnie Henry, this announcement, we're shutting down. I remember day after day after day after day, looking out my backyard and our church trailers parked back there and uh, just realizing and grieving that in a season that's gone. You know what I mean? Like we can't have a physical service and my wife's pretty amazing. And I remember every day she'd be like, the church isn't in that trailer. And that, I feel like that hurt me actually, when she said that, <laughs> no, I was like, ah, oh, like I know that. But I think just to, to grieve the season where it's like, we've been, I've been waiting years. I've been waiting, I think my whole life to plant church in Kelowna. And I know this is just, I feel like it was a starting point, but I'm realizing more and more that, that we have years here to do this, to plant multiple churches in the Okanagan in Kelowna. Um, but I think it was really hard just to see even the expectations I had in this season and to say, hey, like if, if we would have planted a service, I think in April, we would have just planted a great service and we would have missed the whole aspect of community. And for us, we actually get to be the church in our own communities, in our workplace, um, in our neighborhoods. And for me, that's very profound, but it also it displaces us. And uh, I think that was really a real big challenge. Um, it's been hard. This has been, you know, with that, like God forming a person, I think, you know, I've never done so much uh, personal and, you know, internal work that I've done this past year. And I, that's why I wasn't expecting church planting. <laughs> I was expecting the hustle and bustle and try to like, you know, attract people to be a part of a movement and preach the gospel, all those things. But I was never expecting um, hidden sin to creep up. I never, was never expecting, um, you know, I'm seeing a counselor almost every week. Um, I have been for, for months just to process this season. And I think for me, it's been hard. It's been hard to, to look at myself in the mirror sometimes and, and even he might hear myself preach right? Like on video, like I remember the first time I preached um, in an empty room to a camera, I went home and I'm like, I am not doing this. I'm done. Lori, like throw the towel in. We are, let's do something else. Cause I felt like I didn't come here to preach to a camera. Like I'm not a televangelist. Um, I want people in the room. I want people, you know, like, it's like you go to like a concert compared to listening to like an album on iTunes. Like I want to actually go to the concert. I want the experience. I want to see the person live. I don't want to just experience it on YouTube. But in the, the flip side, it just again, it's it's being aware that God's sovereign, even when you know I have questions about what we're doing this season. And that's what I've seen over and over and over again, which has been incredible, is that this is God doing His work, and I get to be part of it. And this wasn't Colby planting um, this church in Kelowna. It's actually God has been here already. He knows everyone's name. He knows. He knows how many hairs of their head. Like he's pursuing them. He loves them already. And we just had to connect those dots. And so for me, that was, it's hard to hear. 
right? Because I think every church planner has arrogance and pride when you come to plant a church, because why else would you do it? <laughs> you know, there's so much pain in the midst of church planting that no one told me about, right? Like, so for us, I think that was a big, you know, God, God this past year has formed a person and it's been really painful. That's, that's awesome and challenging at the same time. How about you, you, David or Harrison? Want to throw something on the table? Yeah, we've, I think it's the same as Colby. A lot of us have, um, I mean, you, you don't want to just internalize everything because that God doesn't want us to do that because we've all got flaws, defects. We're humans, do you know what I mean? We're not a part of the angelic host yet. Um, so there's going to be that stuff that comes to the, to the surface, um, but that's not a problem for God. He can deal with that and he, he can get us through this stuff as long as we're honest i think for me what's come i'm a part of a lead pastor team you know we, we're guys in calgary winnipeg and toronto and so you've got the bc guys you've got these other guys as well and all of us really um i think we've been sharing like colby with each other and i've noticed what i have noticed is, is a level of honesty that's not been there before you know that that's growing 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 and a level of relationship between the pastors as they admit you know, their faults, their defects, their concerns, their family stuff, you know, that we could pray into each other and encourage each other. And I think that's a, a massive part of this is that we're here, we're here for each other through it. And we need to be, whether we're a part of a church movement like Village or we're outside of a movement, but we've got friends that are other pastors or business guys, you know, that we're making use of that and letting people speak into us and us speak into them and being, being, being the real body. So I think, for me, even in the challenge and all the stuff that Colby said is, is what we all face, um, is like, make sure you're connected. Do you know what I mean? Don't be an island. Uh, make sure you're plugged in because God is moving. Do you know what I mean? Just hearing these other guys, he's, he's, he's moving. <laughs> you know, so we, we need to be, I think, accountable, plugged in, encouraged, you know, um, even hearing about counselling and stuff. Uh, we're fortunate we have that within our church. And so, I mean, my, our boss said recently, you know, our strap line is, is to make fully devoted followers of Jesus. But, but his challenge to us is, are you? You know, we need to model this. Are you? How are you pressing into God? How are you praying? How are you reading the word? Do you know what I mean? How are you getting before God? Are you crying out to God in this moment? You know, and, and so he bounced it back on us rather than just, here comes the data stream, what's the numbers? It was very much like, how passionate are you about Jesus? You know, how's he your friend? You know, how, how are you glorifying him? So it's like, Yes, that's right. And that, that should be our first, that should be the first directive. So yeah, there has been a quite a bit of pruning. What do you think, Harrison? Yeah, I think of the the great uh, honor and the great uh, godly burden it is to shepherd God's people. Like we're, we're dealing with people who have real lives, whose marriages, some are struggling, whose some can't find the time to, deal with their kids or some people don't have food and how how do we shepherd well and how do I shepherd well and it seems like things have gotten busier when you'd think they'd be easier I remember when we first uh, had these restrictions where we weren't allowed to meet and um, a, a friend of mine he wasn't a Christian he's like oh you must have a lot of time on your hands because uh, churches aren't meeting but I've never worked so much in my life. I, I didn't think it was possible. Like you're, I was up to like four or five in the morning with people editing video, you know, putting in Christ alone in the lyrics. I was like, what is happening? And just trying to figure it out. And, and that, that, I think in a bad way, takes so much precedence that 
shepherding goes down the wayside uh bible and sermon prep kind of gets is like an afterthought and and i think you know i i needed to kind of step back and say you know i should i should spend more time in my investing in my marriage because with church planting you're just thinking of church planting 24 7 it's not like a nine to five gig you're dreaming about it you're literally dreaming about church planting and strategies and systems and stuff and you know i got three i got three kids i got i got a wife and i have a i have a people that god has placed in my midst to shepherd and to shepherd them well and so I know we're in a world where we need to get more creative, but I think we're in a world where we also just need to do the simple things better. Pick up that phone, make that phone call, write that letter, send that text, meet up in any way you can. Because I mean, let's be honest, like we all love the tech, we all love technology and, and we'll leverage it for the gospel because we can make the gospel a megaphone through online things and through Zoom and through all this kind of stuff. But Let's, let's shepherd well, and that's what I'm trying to tell myself, and that's a struggle, right? We got, we're, we're a relatively small church, you know, 40, 40 to 60 people, and maybe let's just divvy up the list of people amongst the elders, and let's just call them regularly. How are you doing? Are you reading the Bible? Is your soul well? How can we help you? And um, I think I'm finding it hard to shepherd well when the demands of everything else are um all consuming so i gotta take a step back figure out what i need to say no to which is more than usual um and do the do the great things and and not just all the good i thanks guys i really appreciate you you allowing your heart to be heard here and uh a number of things and and stuff that that others that our church planters are wrestling with or people uh that are churches that are wrestling with and leaders and and just how you're working through that and, and the sense that it's a journey. It's a, this constant journey that the Lord has you on as you work through it. Um, I, I, I will save the topic for another day, but I, I'm glad you touched on it a little bit, Harrison, just your family and, you know, and, and how even your, your wife, uh, your spouse comes into this and the whole church planting thing. We'll save that for another day uh, because that is a, a very important piece as well. Um, so what's your motivation, guys? End of the day, this is one thing I think that, that uh, this time, especially uh, more than any has brought to the surface is, is our motivation to plant, our motivation to just live, to exist, to, to be creative when we're exhausted, uh, our motivation to make things simple. What's your motivation to what God is calling you to right now? Yeah, I think, I think when we read the Great Commission in, in Matthew 28, and you really think about what he's asking us to do. To make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and getting people to obey everything that I've commanded, that's an impossible ask. Like, we cannot possibly fulfill the Great Commission unless, and this is the promise that motivates me every day, in, whether it's in my marriage or in church planting or in the workplace, Christ promised that I will be with you. And then he is here with me. He is my motivation. He's the one who sustains me. He's the one who encourages me. He's the one who lifts me up. He's the one who intercedes for me when I cannot pray through his spirit. Christ is my motivation. There is no greater motivation, I, I, I do not believe, because everything else will fade. The needs will fade. There will always be the poor. There's always going to be a need for church planting. But there's going to come a time 
when there's going to be no need for podcasts and evangelism and multi-sites and Bible studies. God who is with us is going to take us to himself and he's welcoming people into that story. I find that amazing beyond words. And that is a delight to treasure Jesus and to share that treasure with the world. It's infinitely satisfying. I guess for me, it's, um, it's my call. I feel like I'm passionate and burdened by the city. Um, you know, there's days where I feel like, why am I doing this? Um, to be honest. And what I, what I feel really discouraged, I just, you know, a lot of times I'll drive downtown um, to where I grew up and I'll sit outside my, my old house or I'll drive by it. And there's a story there. There's a story of a single mom with um, a little boy. And I wish our neighbors who are Christians or I wish someone invite us to a Christmas Eve service or to, you know, didn't have digital services back then. But I just wish that, you know, like my mom is open to the gospel through connection, through humans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like through people who actually are sharing the gospel. Um, so I think for, for me, that's like when I'm, when I'm around town, I see people in coffee shops or wherever at. I'm like, these are people that may never have heard about Jesus ever. Our neighbors, you know, um, you know, they're Indo-Canadian, amazing people. Um, we had, they're like our kids' best friends. And we had this little girl over, um, she's in our house all the time. And we had the nativity set set up and uh, the girl, the, my girls are playing the nativity set. And um, this other little girl, Suida's like playing, you know, with like one of the little, like looks like a dog, but it's like a donkey, right? She's like, Rah. and then she's like, and my wife's like, do you know this story? And she was like, what do you mean? And she was like, have you ever heard about Jesus? And she was like, I'm, who? <laughs> right? Like, right there, it gives me passion. Like, I'm called to this, to those people. But the, in the flip side of it, you know, there's, there's church people that I'm trying to, like, either they're, they're on mission with us to do what we're called to do or just go somewhere else. And that's also a hard thing because in the early days, I feel Harrison, like, we're 55 people. We're like, we want everybody to be part of our church plant, but we can't have everyone a part of that. Um, cause we're, we're specific in what we want to do. So I think for me, it's just the calling, the passion, um, in the city. I think my, uh, motivators are one more wife giving me a kick now and again. <laughs> That's Chrissy and, uh, and the Holy spirit. I think it's just the sense of kingdom and that God is, is building his kingdom. You know, Matthew six and it says, I will build my church. And so there's the resolve, there's the source, it's him, it's Jesus. I think when we realise that, you know, that it's, it's something, he's, he's the prime mover, you know, he's the move, he's, he's, we are partnering with him, it's not just about us, it's not, you know, you've got people that are phenomenal um, speakers like Mark Clark and, you know, and people that aren't, or people that are enormous, you know, Mother Teresa's that can reach them. I think he needs all of us. You know, whatever our gift is, and I find it weird. You know, when we went to Abbotsford, it's meant to be the, the Bible Belt, and the more I dug into it, I just realised how godless it was. Do you know what I mean? There's so much religion, but there's at least half the population's never heard anything. So it's like, you know, come on, guys, there's such an enormous need. The harvest is there. He just needs labourers, and I think you know, if you're trying to 
put stripes on your arm. Ultimately, the label that God gives you is you're a laborer, you're my friend, let's work together in this field, let's see a harvest. And so I think that that's my kind of motivation. You know, it, you scatter the seed, you put the seed out there. We just don't know. It, it's, it's a God thing. So we're involved with a miraculous God thing. It's supernatural, you know, and, and that, that's, that's the kind of phenomenal driving thing for me. This is fantastic. And uh, I, the, yeah, the God, God has gifted this world, the church. He is gifted in his son, but he has also gifted the church and the Holy Spirit. And so um, he has much, much to be seen and much to be done. If you could encourage our listeners, um, maybe who are considering the church plant or maybe their churches are thinking about it, or maybe there's no thought in it at all. Uh, what would be something uh, that you would, one thing or two things that you would say to encourage uh, a generation of church planting what would you say colby let's jump you in first what would you encourage our listeners with that's a great question um i think I've, as i've you know asked so many churches to partner with us um in the okanagan uh i'm realizing that i would recommend churches just pray start praying for a church plant um regularly that's putting in front of people that's um on a Sunday morning, like you're actually praying for a family, uh, for a planter, um, for their kids. Um, it's actually like you're, you know, I, right away, always I wanted to kind of jump towards like the finances. Like I love for people to bankroll church plants. Um, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's like, you know, people, you know, when you're, when you're young, you're not ready to have a baby. No one's ready to have a baby. They think a church plant's the same way. No one's ever ready to plant a church. And I think that's where for us as, as, you know, fellowship, how do we pray for church plants, for planters? Um, and I think that's when you start praying for people, that's when you get the heart of where God's at. Like he's for lost people. He's for people outside the walls of your church. That when you think of a planter coming in, right away you're not up in arms going, oh, like we're going to lose people from our, from our church because maybe they're doing things a different way or it looks different than us. But actually saying, you know what, there's a lot of people who are unreached in our city. And we're so glad they're here. And we're going to actually pray for them. We're going to resource them. You know, whatever that looks like. Like even for us, like we have a church right now that helps us share offices. And so I'm so thankful for that. And their posture is for us, not against us. But a lot of churches are like, our piece of the pie is so small that we just, we don't know why you're here. And we get, our team gets asked all the time, why plant a church in Cologne where there's a lot of churches here, right? I imagine Dave gets asked the same question in Abbotsford. It's like, there's enough here. Why are you here? Um, but I'd say the, the heart starts with praying, praying for church plants, praying for planters, their families, their kids. Um, I think I think God will will do something. The Holy Spirit will put a burden on you and your church to realize that there's not enough seats in your building to see all those people who are unchurched become Christians and follow Jesus. And if we take your analogy, Colby, I was thinking, you know, once you have one child, all three of you guys here have at least three kids, right? So once you have one, you, you probably want to have more because you realize how, uh, how beautiful it is. Anyways, that would be a whole other talk. Uh, how about you, David or Harrison? Uh, what's, what's one thing you'd like to encourage uh, those thinking about planting, not even thinking about planting, uh, even, even future church planters? Or even planters that are now. Sorry, go ahead, David. Yeah, I think the thing is, is uh, you need to raise leaders. 
and people that are passionate about Jesus, not that, not that they have a hundred degrees. I mean, education is good. But if you look at, if you look at the disciples, there wasn't a vast amount of education between them. Um, but there was a lot of life and a lot of passion and a lot of hu hunger for God. And so I think it's just reigniting the church, you know, throttling up rather than throttling back and say, OK, this is our time. This is our generation. This is our passion. We need to reach. We need to reach these people. And then I think Colby said the most important thing for me is like, you got to pray about this. You know, if Jesus is going to do it and get away and pray before he does stuff, we need to we need to copy the master you know, the teacher, the Messiah, and actually do that stuff. And then that's a hard thing for us because we're such a distracted generation. Is actually, you know, I need to get along with God. We need to have prayer meetings in our churches that are vibrant, passionate. They're not staccato. They're not regimented. It's just literally crying out to God, you know, like that. I think it's Revival Psalm, Psalm 85 and just pleading with him, you know, us and he would send people out. And it's just it's growing those leaders, praying over them, you know, and one thing the gospel isn't is safe. Do you know what I mean? It's not an armchair. You know, it's it's uh, it's a uh, it's just stepping out in faith. So I think you know, come on, guys, it's time to step out. You know, it's time to be called out. We we are the sent ones. Let's be sent. You know, let let God let God use you. You know, use you in your weakness, not in your strength. Excellent. How about you, Harrison? Yeah, I'd say uh, deepen your communion with God. As you deepen your communion with God, it informs your evangelism. It informs your discipleship. It informs how you read the scriptures. It informs your view of the church. Because I think as you deepen your communion with God, it increases your passion for God's glory and for God's glory for himself. But it motivates you to evangelize. Like, we're all evangelists. Like, people share about stuff that they love. Like, I know this guy, he loves fishing. All he talks about is fishing. You know, we'll be talking, we'll be talking the stock market. We'll be talking politics, whatever. Maybe like, you know what? I caught a big pike the other day. I got to bring to the spot and you just get back to fishing. I wasn't even, I don't even like fishing, but his communion with the fishing world is so knit. We have to abide in God. We have to commune with God and deepen that communion with him. And, and um, we got to do that through the word and in prayer, echoing with my brothers here, Colby and David, be in prayer, be in the word. Cause we want to look back at all of this and, you know, early on in my church planting journey, someone was saying to me, you know, your, your goal isn't to plant a church. Your goal is to be faithful. So if someone could film my life and show it to my elders or my wife or those who are looking up to me, is, is that life worth exporting to another person? I think we got to deepen our communion with God. And so that not only do we say God is good, but we can say God is good to me. And we know that and we share that. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate the wisdom and the personal touch to it all here. I'm going to throw one your way because church planters are supposed to be creative. I'm just going to throw one that I didn't prep you on, but it's really easy. Do you have any resources? Is there a resource that you really appreciate or has kind of helped you along the way or challenged you or just been a good, a good source for you? as you plant go ahead anyone throw it out there yeah one good thing for us we've been going through um, gospel fluency with ben colony and jeff van der Zelt, uh, as a as a team within the church and that's been amazing that really has stripped us down uh, and actually look at our lives and that like, how much are we actually communicating the gospel uh, clearly simply 
you know, profoundly to other people. So I think uh, grab the book. It's a good course. You know, um, it's changed our leadership team. So it's been a great thing to go through together. For me, I think the the best thing has been this a book called The Honest Guide to Church Planting. Um, it's been very helpful of just like looking at the honest reality of church planting, um, the pitfalls, um, the great moments, like building teams, the necessity to find the right people for the right purposes in your church plant. So you're not doing everything. Um, I'm thankful. I think the, the biggest resource that I have um, in this season has been people, people reminding me um, of what we're here to do. And I think it's, again, that's why I need the church. That's why I need the community of believers surrounding me, equip, equipping me in this season. I feel like more and more in this season, I've been de- de- decentralized and I have people who are like um, graphic designers and videographers and all these amazing people who want to use their gifts. And um, I think that's been the biggest gift. Yeah, we've been blessed to be partnering with uh, Ethnos Canada. Uh, they were formerly New Tribes Mission and they plant churches in some of the most unreached places in the world. And they had developed this... Um, this this curriculum that's based around strong relationships uh it's, but it's foundational bible teaching from genesis to revelation it's chronologically inspired and this is a resource that they use to plant churches in papua new guinea and in some of the most unreached places in the world and so for the first time two years ago they brought this resource to canada and so uh brent and jody jody Risto, who are missionaries with ethnos canada uh, they're teaching that every thursday evening uh, at the northern collective to anyone who wants to learn about the scriptures, uh, whether you're a believer or not. Uh, I believe this is a great tool to root people in the word of God, uh, to have a high view of the word of God. And um, it's being taught in different indigenous communities across Canada. And um, I think it's a great resource. You can check out uh, establishedseries.com to get a little flavor of what it teaches, but rooting people in, Foundational Bible teaching, I think, uh, it's been huge. Obi, David Harrison, thank you very much. Uh, we hope this encourages you and challenges you uh, as you listen and have listened with us today. And the reality from what I'm hearing uh, from these guys is that God is at work. God's on mission. The church is his vessel. We are his vessel to reveal his glory and beauty. And uh, we thank uh, thank you, uh, guys. Uh, and our listeners for proving that God is greater than the pandemic. Appreciate your time today. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you were encouraged by these three church planters and maybe challenged to get involved yourself in church planting or in supporting a church plant. Our team here at Fellowship Pacific is here to serve and support our churches, and that includes the launching of new churches and new congregations. So to get in contact with us and find out more about how we can help, make sure to visit our website at www.fedpacific.ca.